0: turn with us back to the book of numbers we've been sharing from the message preparing for greater and we'll try to make some move on here on the second part of this outline that we gave you on last Sunday you should have got a new one today I hate to bombard you with paper uh, but uh, at least you I want to give you a fourth opportunity to listen attentively without having to write too much But uh, this is critically important for us as a church to understand that we got to prepare ourselves for what God has already ordained for us to do and to become. Amen. And and if we don't prepare ourselves, each one of us individually, because each one of us individually make up this church. The church, amen, the congregation of believers at EBC is not this building. Thank God for a, a, a nice place to worship. But but it's not the building, it's us. And God is trying to do something in us. He's trying to do something with us. And in order for him to do something in us and with us, because we're co-laborers together with Christ, we have to prepare ourselves. Amen? And so I thank God, amen, for song praise ministry, for preparing the atmosphere for the word of God. Hopefully your mind is ready to receive what God would have for us to know today. So Numbers, the 14th chapter, uh, and we'll pick up our reading at at verse number one, and we're going to jump on back in here. Uh, Numbers, the 14th chapter, verse number one says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Any of y'all ever cried all night? (laughs) Any of y'all ever been through something where you couldn't sleep at night? Then, you know, there was, there, was, there was one point in time where, where I, I, I was thinking somewhat in my naivety that a believer has no business staying up at night because Jesus is up. And that is true. If he neither slumbers nor sleep, that means he's watching over me. And so if he's neither slumbering nor sleeping, then all the babies sleep peacefully. But I'm here to tell you, I've learned this as the old folks say, as I kept on living. <laughs> I understood that there are some times when we go through some things in life that will challenge our sleeping habits. There are some times we will go through things in life that will challenge our mental capacity to handle the thing that we're going through. And I understood that, you know, that 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 there are going to be some times in our life where we will be challenged. But even in the midst of that, we got to realize that God is still there. So even though it may seem like an impossible situation, we serve a God of the possibilities. We serve a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. So I've learned that even as those times come, when when things will want to deprive you of your sleep because of, of, of the worry that comes, I begin to understand that when God is keeping me, I can sleep peacefully. You can ask my wife, amen. I sleep peacefully. I and mean, she says I snore. I don't believe that I do, but she says that I do. But it seemed like if I was snoring, I would wake myself up, but I don't even wake myself up. Anybody in the house? I sleep peacefully because I know I got God on my side. He, he, he said in his word, thou will keep you in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because we trusted in thee. But they were crying all night. It says their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Everybody say complain. Remember we said the three problematic areas for the, for the Israelite uh, believers in God's people was what? Number one, they walked in fear. Number two, they did what? They walked in unbelief. And thirdly, number three, they did what? And complaining, I'm going to tell you right now, it bothers God. Walking in fear bothers him, yeah, walking in unbelief bothers him. But it seemed like when I began to search the, 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 the Old Testament scripture as God dealt with his people, one of the things that really got God's goat was when his people complained and murmured, amen, and, and not trusting that their God who delivered them was still able to keep on delivering them. The text says their voices rose in great course and protests against Moses and Aaron. And if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Verse 3, let's read it. Come on, let's go. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Verse number four. Can we read with me? The text says, What? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back. To Egypt. Now God's man had delivered him. God had spent 40 years, amen, amen, de- preparing Moses to deliver his people from bondage in Egypt. Now here they're getting ready to kick Moses to the curb and choose somebody else. See, sometimes the one who God has placed in our lives to bring us deliverance, we get mad at the one that God placed in. Because maybe they don't do things quite the way we want it done. But guess what? When you need to be delivered, you better follow the one who's been sent to deliver you. can I get a witness. They plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Keep reading. Text says what? Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. The text says two of the men who had explored the land, uh, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jethiah, tore their clothing. Now, tearing their clothing was a sign of, of great remorse. Uh, they, they would, they would, they would, uh, you know, just, 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 rent their clothing and in and signs of disgust. They said to all the people of Israel, "The land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land." Verse eight says, "And if the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is rich land, flowing with milk and honey." Next verse is what: "Don't rebel against, do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection." But the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Now, again, he's giving them Amen. Uh, uh, trying to encourage them in this time uh, of great remorse. Now, again, I told you, uh, as we got to this point on last week, we cut off the crisis at Kadesh because we see we see what happens here at Kadesh when we don't grow, when we don't prepare. When we don't get ourselves equipped for the thing that God has in front of us. We see what happens when when, when when God's people refuse to grow. First Peter 2 and 2 says, as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, we said that the children of Israel committed five blatant sins. Everybody say blatant. Any of y'all out there ever committed a blatant sin? The word blatant means what? Let me just. It's just it's deliberate. It's out there. It's no question. It's just raw. It's that, that you ain't got to vote whether or not that was a sin or not. It was blatant. They com- they committed five blatant sins. Y'all everybody say five that led to defeat instead of victory. The first one we said was they they began to doubt God's word. God delivered his people from Egypt that they might enter the promised land and enjoy the blessings prepared for them. And the Lord had promised the land to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and had reaffirmed that promise through Moses. But even more, the Lord had reminded the people of his promise when they broke camp at Sinai. You see that in Deuteronomy uh, chapter one. Let's go there right quick. Deuteronomy chapter one, verses six through eight. Deuteronomy chapter one, verses six through eight. Pop it up real quick and we're gonna move right along. The text says this. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. Verse 7 It is time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions. The Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Verse eight says what? Look, I am giving all this land to you. Notice the way God talks. I I sound like a broken record. But one of the things that we got to get to as a body of believers is we got to get to a point to where we begin to speak those things that God has already declared for us. We serve a God, Amen, who calleth those things we, which be not as though they already are. Right? So God says, "I am giving all. I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it, for it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of their descendants. Now, if God gives us a promise, then we can be sure that that promise is valid." Now, how many of y'all got people in your life who promise you stuff but never follow through? Anybody in the house? How many of y'all work with people who promise you stuff but they never follow through? How many of y'all live with people who promise stuff but they don't follow through? Hello, hello. How many of y'all are the person who promises but never follows through? God is not like us. He's not a man that he should lie. If the Lord says something, book it, take it to the bank, bet on it, amen, sacrifice your your only child for it because God, if God says sacrifice your child, he's going to raise him up from the dead. God is able and when he promises a thing, he shall bring it to pass. So so, so God's promise was Israel's title deed uh, to the land, a title deed. Now, how many of y'all own your own house? How many own your own home? If you own your own home, you have the title deed. Unlike an automobile loan, when you get a loan, you have a title, but that title on the automobile loan, amen, uh, uh, is held by the bank until you pay the money. Is that right? If you're still making payments on your automobile loan, guess what? You can't sell it without, amen, uh, uh, somebody paying off that loan. Because until you pay off that loan, the person who loaned you the money is not going to release the what? The title. But when it comes to real estate loans, amen, when you have a mortgage at your house, yes, it indicates that somebody loaned you money to buy the house. But when you do a real estate loan, you, you have the title deed. That's why when you don't pay the folk, all the stuff you sign, I can tell you, 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 you can, how many of y'all, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me pose a question. How many of y'all out there uh, who have a real estate mortgage read every line of all the documents that you sign? You got one? Maybe you're one in Five million. Because most of us don't. But let let me tell you, I I can sum it all up. Here it is in a nutshell. You can read every line. You can question everything. But here it is in a nutshell. If you don't pay, they come and take away. (laughs) That's in a nutshell. If you don't pay, they come and take away. Now, listen, here's why I want to say, I'm talking about title deed. Because even when they come and take it away, They're going to take it away to sell it, but they can't sell it because they got to get the title back into their name. Am I right about that, Yvonne? See, they have to go and do what they call a sheriff sale, and and they have to sell that property, and the people who loan you the money are going to make sure it sells for enough to pay off their loan, or they're going to buy it back and turn around and sell it. But in order for them to sell it, they they got to get it back into their name. They got to get the title deed invested in their name. Now here's what I want you to understand. God has told the truth of Israel that that my promise is your title deed that this land belongs to you. Those folks are just occupying it, but it don't belong to them. You have the title deed because I gave you my promise, That it is yours. God's promise, guys, was all Israel needed, but the nation doubted God's word and began to walk by sight Instead of by faith, they doubted God's word and began to walk by sight instead of by faith. The, you remember we said on last week the survey that land, when you think about it, may have been a good good idea if you were employing a conventional battle strategy. But that was not a good idea when you were in a, a, a following God's spiritual battle plan. God had already given them the land and had commanded them to go in and to take it. He had promised them victory. So all they had to do was to trust and obey. Everybody say trust Trust. and obey. The Lord would go before them and scatter his enemies. That's what he told them. But his people had to follow by faith. And that's where they failed, guys. They doubted that God was able to keep his promises and give them the land. So the first blatant sin was they doubted. Amen. Amen. They doubted God's word. Now, guys, let me tell you something. We can look at Israel and go back and say, "Mm, mm, mm, ain't that a shame? My, my, my. Why in the world would they doubt that God was able to do what he had promised he would do? Well, let me ask you a question. How many times have you doubted what God's word says? How many times have you looked in the book, saw what it said? Came to Bible study, came to Sunday school, came to Sunday morning worship, saw the word properly exegeted, amen, in its proper context. And you got the promise that God gave you in his word, rightly divided. And you went out that door and doubted that God's word was actually true for you. You thought, OK, it's true for. Yeah, I, I see Him working in all sorts of life, but can he really do it for me? So Israel doubted God's word. Second thing was uh, we see here the, discovering. Um, Uh, we have a discouraging of God's people that took place. We have a discouraging of God's people. Now listen, a crowd or a committee can discourage a whole bunch of folks. A few leaders can discourage a whole bunch of people. Look with me, if you will, to go to Numbers 13 and let's look at verse number 26 right quick. The second blatant sin was a, a discouragement of God's people. You gotta be careful that you're not the one who are discouraging God's people from walking by faith, because sometimes the words of our little nasty mouths prevent people, amen, from getting to the place in God to where He can, where He can do miraculous things through their life. Numbers 13. And let's begin our reading at verse number, we'll start at verse 25. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned, watch this, to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Look at the next verse, it says, this was their report to Moses. Watch this, we entered the land you sent us to explore and it's indeed a beautiful country and land flowing milk and honey, just like God has said, right? Here's the fr- kind of fruit it produces, Twenty-seven. 28 but the people living there now here the reports begins to turn here the discouragement begins to happen sometimes when you're dealing with people and fellow Christians you have to be very careful because there are some people who you can't give and tell your vision to there are some people who are doubters and naysayers there are some people who are joy killers there are some people who will try to distort your faith walk and so you can't tell everything that God told you to everybody who you're in relationship with. How many of you know we all have people in our lives who are faithless? We all have people in our lives when we tell them what God showed us, they immediately begin to figure out how we can't do what God has shown us. The text said, but the people living there were are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next verse says, well, the Amalekites live in Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and all along the Jordan Valley. Watch this. But Caleb tried, Caleb tried, Caleb tried, he what? Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Because now this report begins to come from these other guys, these other 10 leaders, 10 spies, And they and and the people started to get stirred up. He says, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Right. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. Thirty two and thirty three. So they spread this bad report. They spread this bad report. They spread this bad report among the land, um, about the land among the Israelites. How many of y'all know bad news travel faster than good news? Huh? If, if I, I promise you, you know, the word that we're going to get here today will inspire you. But it's not going to travel as fast as it would if, 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 if somehow or another uh, uh, we had cowboy fans and saint fans break out in a fight. Because y'all argued about who was going to win the game tonight. If that, if, that, if that broke out here in the church, first of all, some of y'all are so vain enough where you would take your phone out and start recording it. Yeah, some of y'all are that vain. I, I, I saw something uh, uh, about a week or so ago where there was a young man that was stabbed to death. And there were people sitting around recording the young man being stabbed to death rather than intervening and trying to stop that from happening. See, listen guys, listen, bad news travels fast. And I promise you, that will be all around Benton, around Shreveport, Bosia, all the way back in Minden, Magnolia, wherever everybody came from. If there's somebody from someplace, that will be, as a matter of fact, you don't have to be from someplace, you will spread it on social media. Child, look what happened at our church. Boy, them Saints fans were whooping them Cowboy fans. Then Bobby came out and Doris came out, they had their judges on and they started whooping everybody. (laughs) Craig it'd be all over the place. Why is it that we have such a something about us that tend to crave negativity? I'm going to tell you, as a child of God, one of the things that we've got to learn to do is, is to renew our mind with the things of God. Uh, uh, I think it was in Philippians. Go to the fourth chapter right quick. Hold your place there. Let's go to Philippians chapter four. I think that's where I want to go. And it should be around the eighth verse. Somebody help me. Is it Philippians four? Glory to God. Okay. Here, there it is. Philippians four and eight. Let's read together. See, here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep your mind stayed on Jesus. I want you to, as a born-again believer, I, I want you to keep your minds on the promises of God. Don't go chasing negativity and bad news about other people because it's, it's amazing how we are interested in other folks' bad news, but when we got something going on with us, shh, 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 shh. Don't tell nobody. Watch this. Paul is writing to the saints at Philippi, the church of Philippi says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your faults on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, fix your thoughts." To fix my thought means that there is something that I gotta do because there's a natural tendency for you and I to gravitate toward negativity. But when we fix our thoughts, when we train ourselves and say, okay, listen, hold up. I know you, you sharing this, but listen, both of y'all are born again believers. Have you went to this person and shared that with them? I know you come talk to me and I'll give you advice, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to be biblical. All right, you have an issue and all with that person, and maybe they did something to hurt your feelings or whatever. But here's what Pastor Adams has been teaching us, okay? Now, listen very carefully, because I know you know this. He, he goes to Matthew the 18, chapter the 15, verse all the time, where Jesus says there's an alt between you and your brother. You do what? You go to him one-on-one. Now, you're coming to me, and I appreciate you having confidence in me. I'm hoping you're not just coming to gossip. I hope you're not just coming to give me a prayer request, but really it's a gossip <laughs> sharing session. So, so, so I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. So here's what I want you to do. Bible says this. Now I want you to go to that person right now. Uh, you know, you can do it after the church. You can call them on the phone. Y'all can meet for coffee, or whatever. But go to them and share with them uh, uh, what they, how, how what they said hurt your feelings. Go and share with them because maybe they're not even aware that you're feeling that way. And many times people aren't even aware that our feelings have been hurt. And we got to be mature enough to say, okay, my feelings were hurt, but I'm not going to cut off the relationship because my feelings got hurt. So you go to him. Now, if he's done some some egregious sin, okay, go to him and tell him about his sin. All right? Well, it ain't none of my business. Yes, it is your business because we are our brother's keeper. What in the world do we get this this mindset that, well, whatever somebody else does, that's all all their business. God, let me tell you something. If you are part of the body of Christ, we are our brother's keeper. If I see a brother falling or a sister falling, we ought to go to him and try to pick them up not talk about them and dog them out, okay? So were listen, listen, we get back here. Uh, uh, so so fix your thoughts on things above. But they begin to share stuff in, in a negative sort of way and they begin to discourage the people. Right? Now, now, back in Numbers, we see this, okay? D- discouragement comes. Just jot these three things down up under this, discouraging God's people. A lesson here that, that we need to learn is, is, this, is these 10... These 10 spies spread an evil report amongst the people. In other words, they exaggerated and they distorted the truth. And what they, what, number one, we got to realize they became stumbling blocks to Israel. Everybody say stumbling block. Say it again. That's one word, stumbling blocks. They became stumbling blocks to Israel. Scripture is very clear, guys. We are not to be stumbling blocks. We are not to cause people to stumble and fall. Are y'all with me today? Let, let me give you some word on that. Go with me um, to Romans the 14 chapter, verse number 13. Romans 14, verse number 13. Sometimes we can unaware, we can be a stumbling block not even being aware that we're being a stumbling block. We're hindering people. Okay? We can hinder people. Watch what the text says. Paul is writing to the saints same. So let's stop condemning each other. Now, contextually, let's remember what he's talking about. Contextually, he's dealing with a, a group of people who were, uh, you know, there was there was a there were those who, who were in the church because this is the early church. okay? And in the early church, you had people that came from uh, a background of Judaism, where they were following the Ten Commandments, certain dietary restrictions, that type of thing. And you had people that came from a Gentile background. You had Jew and Gentile coming together in the church. Alright? right. And there were still some some who had Jewish background who who still thought that there were certain types of meat that you shouldn't eat, particularly as it relates to meat that had been offered to idols. So you got these two different people from divergent backgrounds have come together in this new institution that's called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now they're in the church and there's some disagreement because uh, they begin to judge one another because of their backgrounds. So he said, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. Watch this. Watch this. Next verse. Watch this. I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that no food. Hear me me carefully. No food in and of itself is wrong to eat. That's what it says, right? Oh, that's the New Living trail. What does it say in the KJV? See, let's see what it says in the KJV. Come on, pop it up in the KJV right quick because I don't want anybody to be confused. Watch this. I know and I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But, for, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Paul says, really, there is no meat that's unclean. Meat that been offered to eye pork meat, nothing that's unclean. He says, but to the person who thinks it's unclean, in their minds they've been taught that, and in their conscience they think it's wrong to eat it, to them it is unclean. Now watch what he says in the next verse, watch this. He says, but if thy brother, come on, be grieved with thy meat. Huh? If he knows that that meat that you have has been sacrifice on a pagan altar, even though it, it and and or, or the excess has been uh, has been sold in the marketplace, it was, it was designed for the for the for the altar. Is it, you bought it out that marketplace, it, and they they're aware of that. He says, "If thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest not, now walkest thou not charity? Me. Destroy not him with thy meat, for him." For whom, for whom Christ died. Go to the NLT on that verse 15 right quick. Where it says, don't become a stumbling block. There are some things that we are privy to, we are aware, we know. There are certain things that we got liberty in, but don't let our liberty to become an occasion to where we cause another brother to fall. See, a mature person can say, I'm going to withhold from that because I know where they, where they are. An immature person, say, well, I don't care what they think, I'm free, I do what I want to do. God, God, God ain't got no problem with this. Well, what about this person here? Right now, see, they, they're, not, they're not where you are. So, what you got to do is, is to try to build a relationship with them and teach them and cultivate them and develop them so they can be to a point to where they know they have those freedoms. And if, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. If another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone who died for Christ, whom Christ died for. Is that what he says? Look at it. next verse, right quick. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Now, he's saying, listen, when, when, whenever, if that meat offends my brother, I know I got liberty to eat it, but I'm gonna choose not to so that I won't uh, cause that person to ruin their conscience because that person, when you invite him to dinner, I told you before, it was a big thing to be invited to, to, to someone's house to eat and it was a rude, it was considered to be rude and, and 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 uncouth to not eat when you're invited to eat, but if you're invited to eat and you think it's wrong to eat what the host has, and you feel compelled to eat, then now that person eats violating his conscience. And to him it becomes sin, even though to you it's not sin. We're talking about meat that's been offered to idol. Okay. Now we don't deal with that today, but we deal with stuff like, you know, pants in church or women cutting their hair or you know, all kinds of stuff that people still deal with today. People still, there are some people who still tell you that you can't eat pork because that's, it's sinful. Uh, some of us don't need to eat it because it runs our blood pressure up, but they ain't. <laughs> Hello? But but you ain't going to hell because you eat pork meat. If it is, I'm on my way. <laughs> I'm far down the road. <laughs> Now watch, watch. Okay, so, 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 so the first thing, uh, the first lesson here is, is, don't become a stumbling block. Don't cause people to stumble and fall. Okay, because there are plenty. I, I can give you tons more scripture. You can go to First Corinthians eight and nine and it says, but take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. See people who 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 have dietary restrictions and feel like it's sin, and and, and you go into hell if you eat certain things. That person hadn't is not engrossed in scripture, don't understand biblical context. But that's cool. That don't mean they're going ahead. That don't mean that they that they that they are not saved, it's just that they're weak in that area. Okay? And 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 Paul said this to the Galatians I believe. He said in Galatians uh, 5, verse 7 and 9, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that called it you, a little leaven leaven the whole lump. Okay? Second second lesson that we get from this. From these 10 spies, is that the 10 spies were gripped with fear and they were cowards. Scripture is clear that believers are not to fear. Okay? So, the second thing we see is they were gripped with fear and they were cowards. Scripture is clear that believers are not to fear. I told you before and I said it again the, the, the most commonly re- repeated command in the Holy Scripture is what? Fear not. God is constantly reminding his children of Israel as he reminds us to fear not. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Second Timothy 1 and 7 says. So they were gripped with fear and they were cowards. Scripture is clear. Believers are not to fear. Look at your neighbor and say, are you scared? Go to Proverbs 29 and 25 right quick. Proverbs 29 and 25. Come on, let's move, let's move. Proverbs 29 and 25. Glory to God. Fearing people is a what? Some of y'all sitting here right now, you know what's right to do. You know it's, it's, it's God's word and it's true, but you're scared of your mama. Now, I, I don't mean, now I'm, when I say that, I'm saying that, I don't mean that in any kind of disrespectful way. I'm just saying that you're afraid to do what's right because you're afraid the blowbacks you're going to get from your mom or your daddy. And you're 40 years old. There are people who still have the umbilical cord connected. Remember, guys, the men that went through the authentic manhood class, with, you remember, guys, when we talked about father wound and mother wounds? See, many men and women carry wounds from childhood. And some of y'all still are, 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 are bound to mama, and you'll 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 not do what God's word told you or what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do because you're afraid of what mama's gonna say, and you're 40 years old. Now bless thank God for mama. But sometimes mama's not right and follow truth rather than relatives. I want, to be, I, I want to follow what the truth of God's word says rather than what mom and daddy say. Thank God for mom and daddy, but if they're not right, I'm going to go with what's right. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means what? Amen? The KJV says, the fear of man bringeth a snap, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be what? Safe, shall be safe, okay? Uh, look, look with, me, if you will, guys, pop up. Um, Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2, and we're going to move to the next one, okay? So, the ten spies were gripped with fear, and they were cowards. So, Scripture tells us it's clear that believers are not to fear. So, I got to get to a point to where I don't walk in fear. You got to get to a point to where you don't walk in fear. And sometimes, because we don't see a thing, we don't see the next step. We'll begin to fear what God has promised us and what he's told us to do. We can see what God says. We can see the next step. But because we can't see the answer, fear rises up because the devil come and people will come and tell you, well, what if it don't? Well, what if God doesn't come through? Well, what if this happened? But what if what God says happens, happens? See, we can't we can't we can't get bottleneck and allow people to speak into our ear gates and cause us to doubt what God's word says. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are what? Mine. That's what it says. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. How many of y'all have been in deep water before? How many of y'all about to drown? Huh? How many how many of you were struggling? You were fighting the water, but thank God he reached down and he had to reach to pick you up, right? Come on. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. Amen. When you walk through the fire of oppression and you're going to be oppressed when you walk with Jesus, even sometimes your family members, your church members will, will come and oppress you because you're standing for truth. Amen. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. God God is saying to them, his people, he's telling to us, his people, that he is there to protect us and he's there to keep us. So the ten spies were gripped with fear and they were cowards. Scripture is clear. Believers are not to fear. Third thing that we get from this this particular thing is the testimony of Caleb was that of strength and courage. It was strength and courage. Amen. He said, we can take it, but the other says we can't. Believers are to be strong and courageous. Can I get away? Everybody say strong and courageous. Ephesians 6 and 10 says, Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 2 Timothy 2 and 1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Deuteronomy thirty one and six says, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is he for the Lord thy God, he it is that that doeth that doth go with you. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. I gotta know that. That God will not fail me nor forsake me. Psalms 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? So fear not. Fear not. So the third lesson that we learn out of this is that, is that t- Caleb had a testimony of strength. It was, it was a testimony of strength and courage. Believers are to be strong and courageous. They go to this third blatant sin that they had. The third blatant sin on your outline. Number three, they be begin defying God's will. Go to Numbers 14 with me right quick. And, and we, we get back to look at verse number 10. Numbers 14, verse number 10. Glory to God. Text says, but the whole community began to talk about stoning. Joshua. <laughs> now here we have two people who went into the land and began to give the good report. Back up there, if you were to verse number six right quick. Let's, let's walk it down there. It says, two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jethro, tore their clothing. Verse 7 says, they said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Next verse says, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Verse number 9 says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. Don't, don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people. Guys, in our own lives, we can't, we can't afford to rebel against God's word and we got to stop being afraid of the faces of the people. You know, as a pastor, I, I preach to you guys on a weekly basis and I, I I see you but I don't see you. In other words, I see you there, I know you're there, but I'm not just staring at you. All right, because some of y'all's faces, if I were to just stare at you, then you're trying to stare me down. As if what you just said, I think you're picking at me. No, 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 I'm not. I, 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 I'm just sharing with you God's truths. Are you following it? And so sometimes what we do, if we're not careful in our own individual families at work, in our Sunday school class, we get afraid of what the people are going to say. Listen, I would much rather uh, be in trouble with you than to be in trouble with God. I know. I know that sometimes as your pastor, I will say some things that will get under your skin. Because if, if, any, if, if all of us have something that we're not doing right, and I preach on what you're not doing right, it's going to probably get up on your skin, especially if you want to stay in what you're doing is not right. See, some, some of us are still enjoying the Pledge of Sin for a season. And so, so you got to realize that, that, that there are going to be some times when the message comes forth that the Holy Spirit is going to deal with you, he's going to deal with me. And so don't get mad at me, just t- take it up with God. And you, if you want to get mad at me, that's cool because I, I can take it. Because if, if you're going to be in leadership in any area, whether it's a principal of a school, whether it's a manager at, 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 uh, uh, on your job, whether it's the, the, the director of that nursing unit, when you deal with people, everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to agree with every decision that you make. So suck it up. Stop crying. Just make sure you're standing on truth. Just make sure that you can validate what you're doing based on what the word of God says. He said, the text says, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. There it is. Verse 10. Watch this. Watch this. Here we go. But the whole community began talking about stoning Joseph and Caleb. Do you know what that means? They were going to kill them because they were telling them what God said. See, sometimes you feel like sometimes you feel like doing something. The person who's telling you what God said, you know, that, they're true, that they're, what they're saying is true, but you don't want to be delivered right now at the time that you're in what you're in. Because sometimes we be in stuff and we don't want, we don't want to get delivered right then. You know, when you get tired of a thing, you'll get tired of it. Now, that, was, that was a little deep. That was, that was a little deep for some of y'all, but when you get tired of a thing, you'll get tired of it. Some of y'all keep going through stuff because you ain't tired enough. You complaining and you telling everybody else about it, but you ain't tired enough. Because if ever, I said tired. I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying it like I'm from the country. Tired. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Well, let me be grammatically correct. Tired. When you get tired of a thing and you get ready to be released from that thing, God knows when we're really serious about coming out. Some of us ain't serious about coming out. That's why we're still in when you get serious about coming out of that thing that you're in, then God knows that your heart is positioned the right way. Some of us are sitting here and we're in stuff and we just hadn't got tired of sinning. So we keep on sinning. Watch this. Watch this. They talked about stoning them. Verse 11. Let's read it. Come on. Let's go. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, alone will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? This is God talking. God says, I will disown them and I will destroy them with a plague. Then I'll make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. He's talking to Moses. Again, Joshua and Caleb were the ones who were with Moses too. But look at what God says. God says, listen, God had got fed up. And guys, here's what you don't want to happen. Let me tell you this right now. Here's what you don't want to happen. It's for God to get fed up with you. You belong to him, and he gets fed up with you being disobedient to him. Ain't a good feeling. Any of y'all ever got a whooping from the Lord before? I have. And when the Lord begins to deal with your stuff, you can think you can hide it, but God got a thousand ways to one to uncover your stuff. You think you slick. You think you, you know, just, you, yeah, 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 I do that thing. You know, I, yeah, I, got, I got all these chicks, you know, my, ain't nobody knowing who doing what, but God, God got a way of busting it <laughs> wide open. Huh? You sitting there doing your thing, doing your thing, the next thing you know, you got to go to the doctor and you're like, Now, how are you going to explain that? I'm going to say, God has a thousand ways that you had not even thought about to expose you, to get you out of what you're in, because he knows what you're in is harmful to you. You belong to him. He loves you. Even, when, even listen, even when we mess up, God still loves us. I thank God that I serve a God that even when I'm not straight, he's still straight. So so when somebody when somebody's fall, I want to do like Galatians six. Said. Let's go to Galatians six and one right quick. Hurry, 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 hurry. God, God was telling God said, I'm going to disown them. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to start with a new nation. Galatians six. Watch this. Here's the attitude we got to have when we are dealing with our fellow believers in Christ. Because I don't want anybody in here to get so proud and so lifted up that you think you more than anybody else. Your stuff is just as bad as the next person's stuff. It's just different stuff. Okay? Watch watch this. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, l- listen to what Paul says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, let me read it again. Dear brothers and sisters, y'all brothers and sisters, say amen Then, If another believer is overcome by some sin, look at your, other, look at your neighbor, just look at him, don't say anything, just look at him, all right? if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly, you who are godly, you who are godly, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. It didn't say dogmatically in a condemning, rude, contentious way. It says you who are godless should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Is that what he says? I get back to the numbers right quick. I got to move. Got to move. When your eyes are on yourself and your circumstances, you lose your perspective and you saw, you, 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 you'll say and do some ridiculous stuff. When your eyes are on yourself and you lose God's perspective, you'll say some dumb stuff. That was dumb of them to to, to conjure up a scheme to stone those boys to death because they were speaking truth. Imagine that Joshua and Caleb is just—they're just reiterating what God had already promised, and the people, because their perspective was warped, they start saying some ridiculous stuff like, "Let's." Let's just go kill them. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. God hears and knows every last one of our thoughts. Now, this ain't the first time they've done something like this. You got to understand this. The Jews had a long record of complaining against the Lord and their leaders. And they got a long record of being judged for it. There's a whole book in the Old Testament, the book of Judges, that deals specifically with Israel's disobedience and how God would uh, bl- bring them out of captivity, restore them, bless them, and then they forget about God. And they start, when a judge died, then they start following and holding out the other gods and God to come in and judge them again. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. He loves us, but one of the reasons why he judges us is because he wants us to be the best that we can possibly be. And if we if we are murmuring and complaining and 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 doing all this stuff, we can't be the best that God wants us to be. He says, "I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a great nation, a nation greater and mightier than they are." Verse 13. Watch this. But Moses objected. See, when you are a friend of God, you can go to God. Moses is known as the friend of God. Says, "What what will the Egyptians think when they hear about it, God?" It says, they know full well the power you displayed in rescuing your people from Egypt. Look at verse 14. It says, now if you destroy them, the Egyptians will send a report to the inhabitants of this land who have already heard that you live among your people. It's good when people know that God is walking with you. It's good when people know that God is on the inside of you. It's good when people know that God is doing some miraculous things to you. Watch this. Watch this. He says, uh, this is, they've already heard that you live among your people. They know, Lord, that you have appeared to your people face to face and that your pillar of cloud hovers over them. They know that you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Verse 15. Now, if you slow all these people with a single blow, The nation that have heard of your fame will say, what are they going to say, uh, Moses? The Lord was not able to bring them into the land. He swore to give them, so he killed them in the wilderness. Please, Lord. Y'all ever begged the Lord before? I have. Please, Lord, just get me out of this. (laughs) Please, Lord, prove that your power is as great as you have claimed. For you said, watch this, the Lord is slow to anger. And filled with unfailing love. Look at what Moses, Moses is doing exactly what God told him to do, Sherry. God said, put me in remembrance of my word. See, when I go down and I start praying, I start praying what God's word Said, God, you said that, that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, you told me I am more than a conqueror through Christ, God. You told me I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. God, you said the power of God works in me, and God, I need you right now to move. He's putting them in remembrance of his word. The Lord is slow to hang and fill with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he does not excuse the guilty. He lays the sin of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. Don't you think for one second that your sin don't affect your family? Don't you think for one second that what you're doing don't affect your family, your children? It absolutely does. Don't you think for one second because y'all acted crazy and got divorced that it didn't affect your children. We're just going to co-parent. You can co-parent, but baby, let me tell you something that affects them. And I'm not saying that because you got divorced that you can't, you can't, God can't heal, deliver and set free. But don't you think for one second that because it's going on with you, it's not affecting those around you affecting those around you, your children, affecting your church family, on down the line. He says, but he does not excuse the giving. He lays it. Look us go to the next verse, verse 19. Watch it. Right, right, In keeping with your magnificent unfailing love, please pardon the sins of these people just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. It wasn't the first time. <laughs> they, they were cutting up before this, okay? Look at what the text says. Verse, then the Lord says, I will pardon them. I want that kind of relationship with God. Well I can I can go to him and say, God, I know it's right you, you are just God and 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 there is guilt as sin. Or oh, I'm as guilty as sin, God. But right now, God, would you please show me some mercy and grace? God, will you will you not give me what I truthfully deserve? God, will you not destroy that thing? I know it's in your power to do it, but Lord, show some mercy. And that's what God did. Because they were defying God's will. The next thing that they were doing was. What do we say? They, 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 they were deserving of God's judgment. And I, 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 I'm, they were deserving of God's judgment because they, they defied God. But Moses' intercession here stopped God from, from, from coming in and offering the discipline um, uh, that could have been more severe than what he did. What, he, what, what God ended up doing was his, his judgment was threefold. Amen. The nation was going to wander for 38 years, 30, 40 years, roughly 40 years in the wilderness, one for each day that the spies explored the land. And during that time, the older generation, 20 years and upward, going to die and not enter that land because they knew better. Children didn't know better. God said the children didn't know better, but that that older generation, with the exception of those, you know, Joshua and Caleb and that group, um, they're going to die in the wilderness, and the third thing was the 10 unbelieving spies died because of the evil report that they delivered. Okay? So, so they, they, when you look at this thing, guys, listen to me real carefully. Okay? God will discipline those whom he loves. And they were deserving of God's judgment. And lastly, guys, look at this real quickly. I, I want you to ponder on some of these questions I gave you. Amen. Uh, they were disobeying God's command. The day after that great failure, the Jews were supposed to start on that long march through the wilderness, but the nation refused to obey God. Unbelief, a spirit of complaining, and a rebellious attitude are terrible masters that are going to cause you and me to end up in a place that we don't want to be. Are y'all listening to me today? So they were dis- dis- they were disobeying God's command. They- those were blatant sins. Now let, let, ask yourself these questions as we get ready to close out. Because again, they failed to enter the promised land. And what I, what I want to do in the coming weeks is I want to start talking about, we talk about preparing for greater. I told you the scenario, we, talk, we talked about how Moses uh, was not prepared, but God had to get him prepared, right? To become the deliverer. And we saw that it took, you know, at 40 years of age, he had a midlife crisis, spent 40 years on the backside of the desert, but the last 40 years of his life, he walked in concert with God's will. All right, we saw Moses got prepared for greater. We see this 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 nation right here, the nation of the of Israel, were in this plot, in this space, but an entire generation failed to get what was prepared for them—a greater land because of these blatant sins here. So we're going to start talking about how do I get prepared for greater, uh, for greater uh, and better relationships? How do I get prepared for greater and better financial situations? What can I do? To put myself in a position where God can bless me with greater. So here's some, here's a question I want you to begin to ask yourself, okay? Because maybe you're like those those ten that came back and you spreading the bad news. Maybe you're that person in the church who always talking negative and not speaking what God's word says. Question you ought to accept. Both enthusiasm and pessimism are contagious. Would you all agree? If somebody's excited, enthusiastic, that can be contagious, right? You, you see, that it, well, I was at a football game Friday night, and when the, when the home team scored the touchdown, everybody was enthusiastic and excited, and people stood up all at the same time because he scored a touchdown. But then when the other team scored, everybody was pessimistic, and they scored way more than what we did. Everybody was sitting there real sad. Are y'all, are y'all listening to me? So both, li- listen to me, both enthusiasm and pessimism are contagious. How much of each do you spread? Are you a spreader of pessimism or are you a spreader of enthusiasm? If someone were to pay you ten dollars for each kind word you spoke and collect five dollars for each unkind word, would you be rich or poor? Inquiring minds want to know. See, we're talking about attitude. This entire nation failed to get what God promised them because their attitude and their approach and their, their outlook was not right. Number three, what progress are you standing in the way of? What progress in your family are you standing in the way of? What progress in this church are you standing in the way of? What progress on your job are you standing in the way of? Number four, 10 years from today, what will you wish you had done now? Some of y'all said 10 years. Pastor, I'm just trying to live from day to day. And then you take the scripture and you twist it. You know, the the Bible say, don't, don't say what you're going to do 10 years from now. Just, you'll just say if the Lord, yeah, if the Lord will, but 10 years from now, what, what do you, what, what do you, what, what will you look back and say, I wish I had done today? Watch this. If you have God's promise for something, isn't that enough? If you have God's promise for something, is that not enough for you? Some of you said that it ain't enough. you got a problem, but you 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 need something. Else. You got to see something. Faith is the substance of things hoped for; it's the evidence of things not seen. Number six: Why worry when you can pray? Why are you worrying about it? Pray about it and trust and believe God. Number seven: Do you acquire the doubts of others? That's what happened in our in our, in our lesson text. The the nation of Israel acquired the doubts of those 10 spies who came back and said, we can't take it. Number eight, are you willing to follow the truth no matter where it leads? Are you, really, are you willing to follow the truth no matter where it leads? Ask yourself these questions. How much has it cost you to worry about things that never happened? You look back over your life and look at the stuff that you worried about you thought it would come to pass, but it never did come to pass. Some of y'all right now thought you were going to be dead, but you're still here. Hello? You're still here. You're still here. Sometimes we worry about stuff that that never even comes to pass. And we make ourselves sick by worrying. Attitude. Listen. Number 10, do you go through a problem or try to go around it and never get past it? Watch this. Do you go through a problem or try to go around it and never get past it? That's what some people do, they go around it. And they don't want to deal with it. And they just pack it away and they never get past it. Watch this. Number 11. Are you deliberately planning to be less than you're capable of being? Are you deliberately planning to be less than what you are capable of being? God says we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. Why are we still being conquered by stuff that we should be over with? Should be gone past right now. Are you willing to give up what you have in order to become what you can be? Think about it for a second. Are you willing to give up what you have in order to become what you can be? Number 13, what is the first small step you can take to get moving now? Because God is waiting on you to move. He's waiting on you to to get in lockstep with his word. What's the first small step you can take to get moving right now? 14, do you look at the horizon and see an opportunity or do you look into the distance and fear problem? Think about that for a second. And lastly, do you see difficulties in every opportunity, or do you see opportunities in every difficulty I'm, I'm going to leave y'all with this. I was having some trouble with with uh, google email uh, and you know I, I just you know i I've, I've, I kind of have a cursory knowledge of of how that process worked but then uh it was about a couple of weeks ago I had to try to figure out an issue that was going on with the email and they they locked. Uh, one of our email accounts, They didn't even lock mine out. Uh, but you know what I did? That that inability to receive and send email caused me to do a, in, a greater in-depth investigation on how that thing worked. And now, when I started investigating it, and I got on the phone with with one of the one of the uh, service technicians, or whatever, and they began to show me some stuff that I could do. And, they, and, they, and the other thing they did, they showed me why it got locked out. See, understanding the why. Rather than just going in and, and, and fixing it for me, helped me to understand the process of how all that stuff worked. And now I'm able to do more. amen, with that email compartment of, of that of that software than I, I did before, because I had a difficult situation that needed to be solved. And, and rather than running from it and calling my wife and said solve it for me. I said this. this I, I got to be smart enough to be able to do that. So I, I got on the horn and I began looking, I began reading. It is amazing what you can understand if you just take the time and read. Those instructions that come with that box or that, or that, with, uh, in that desk or that bicycle, or that machine, that if you will just read the talk on instructions, it will help you to put the thing together right. Some of y'all will be tired of putting stuff together and got 15 parts left over Oh, you don't need that. (laughs) And next week the thing broke down. (laughs) Listen, do you see difficulties in every opportunity or do you see opportunities in every difficulty? Problems are an opportunity for us to find solutions. And it's an opportunity for us to trust God. They had a problem. God had a promise. Some came back and complained. Two came back and says, we're going to trust God. If you're going to be prepared for greater, you got to look at those difficult situations as opportunities to trust your God more. Prepare for greater. Every head bowed, everybody closed. God, we thank you now.